Hope you've all had a wonderful week. Has everyone had a good week? Okay, I'll take that as a resounding no. Um, <laughs> kidding. Um, it's been a good week here. Uh, unfortunately, our, the air conditioning in the office has been out most of the week, so we were all working from home because it was 88 degrees in the office and nobody wants to work in that. So, But the rest of the building is fine. It's nice and cool in here, so we're happy. So, uh, Before we get into the Lord's Word, let's go to the Lord of the Word. And this morning, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time together this morning to sit under the instruction of your word, to glean from it as as we mine and we dig deep and as we seek the treasure that is so present in your living and active word. Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity to gather with your people yet again to worship and to honor our great Savior and our masterful Lord. Thank you for this time. May it be a profitable time. And may it be not done in vain, but into the glory of your name, that we serve you and as we study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you've been with us for any time, we've been in the book of Proverbs for the last number of weeks. Now, I started a a thing a number of weeks ago. I don't know if any of the other teachers have continued the same practice I did because I've been doing other stuff during the Sunday school hour. But I'm going to go back to what I did. So you're going to need your Bible and you're going to need to be following along with me. And we're going to dig deep into Proverbs this week, following just a bunch of verses on different topics and understanding the biblical definition of some of these ways that Proverbs gives to us. But before I get into the book of Proverbs, uh, this morning I was, did I print the right one here? I did not print the right one. Okay, what I was going to do this morning, I'm going to (laughs) scrap. Actually, you know what, I can pull it up on my phone. Um, I was, if, if, One of my morning habits is, and I think it is for many here as well, uh, my morning devotionals start with um, looking at at Charles Spurgeon's morning and evening. Um, Are are any of you familiar with Charles Spurgeon's morning and evening? Anyone else do morning and evening with Charles Spurgeon? If you don't, get get your hands on a copy of it. It's a wonderful, real, simple devotional. And this morning I was really struck um, by, by what Spurgeon wrote, um, basing his, his study this week off of, ah, where did it go? Mark chapter 14, when just the verse that says, and when he had thought thereon, he wept in Mark 14. And this is what Charles Spurgeon wrote. It says, it has been a thought by some that as long as Peter lived, the fountain of his tears began to flow whenever he remembered his denying of his Lord. It's not unlikely that it was so, for his sin was very great, and, his, and grace in him had afterwards a perfect work. This same experience is common to all the redeemed family. According to the degree in which the Spirit of God has removed the natural heart of stone. We, like Peter, remember our boastful promise. Though all men should forsake thee, yet not will I. We eat our own words with bitter herbs of repentance. 
When we think of what we vowed we would be and what we have been, we may weep whole showers of grief. We thought on his denying his Lord. The place in which he did it, the little cause which led him into such heinous sin, the oaths and blasphemies with which he sought to confirm his falsehood, and the dreadful hardness of heart which drove him to do so again and yet again. Can we, when we're reminded of our sins and their exceeding sinfulness, remain stolid and stubborn? Will we not make our house a botchim and cry unto the Lord for renewed assurance of pardoning love? May we never take a dry-eyed look at sin, lest ere long we have a tongue parched in the flames of hell. Peter also thought upon his master's look of love. The, fo- the Lord followed up the cock's warning voice with, a, with an admonitory look of sorrow, pity, and love. That glance was never out of Peter's mind so long as he lived. It was far more effectual than 10,000 sermons would have been without the Spirit. The penitent apostle would be sure to weep when he recollected the Savior's full forgiveness, which restored him to his former place. To think that we've offended so kind and good a Lord is more than sufficient reason for being constant weepers. Lord, smite our rocky hearts and make the waters flow. When you wake up with that in your heart, <laughs> it, it sets things into perspective. And, and that's what I love about um, these morning and evening devotionals. If you, I think the bookstore used to have copies of it, and I think Russell was trying to get more copies of, of that, but you can also find it online for free um, as well. Um, so today in Proverbs... I just really enjoyed that, and I wanted to share it with you guys this morning because I was, I was brought low by that myself this morning. Um, Proverbs, when we live in a world that, that loves to, to plan and loves to take control and loves to, to plot and, and, and determine its own ways, um, and, and what does that benefit a man, Right? Not much. Um, when we think what Ecclesiastes says, all is vanity, the same writer who wrote um, the book of Proverbs is the same one who wrote Ecclesiastes, recommend, recognizing that everything that man does is vanity if it is not done in the Lord. And Proverbs addresses this quite frequently and quite often. And so we're going to look at how the Lord determines the steps of people, how the Lord plans ways and how our heart and our desires and our ways need to align with his. So I'm going to ask you guys to take your Bibles and, and be very active with me. If I can get somebody to find Proverbs chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. That's one verse that we're going to look at. If I can get another person to go to Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. If I can get another person to put their thumb in Proverbs 4, verses 11 and 12. And then another person in chapter 5, verse 21. And another one in chapter 6, verse 6. And the last one for right now, we'll do 8, verse 13. All right. So 
when we talk about our plans, our desires, our ways, this is some of what Proverbs um, tells us. In chapter 2, we'll start in chapter 1, actually. Chapter 1, verse 31, speaking of those who plan their own ways, it says, Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. It's kind of a condemnation, uh, a judgment on those who would try to make their own way and their own plans uh, their God. Who has chapter 2, verses 12 and 13? Somebody read that out nice and loud. Anne. So those who plan their own ways are people who walk in a way of evil, of perverted speech, who walk in their own way of darkness. So avoid such men. Uh, Chapters 3, verse 5 and 6. Who has that one? Go for it. Okay, who memorized that one as like a five-year-old? Okay. That is one, honestly, that is a a favorite passage of so many people. Um, It's my grandfather's favorite passage. Every time somebody gets married or whatever, it's on everything. Um, He's passed that down to everyone in our family. And that itself, those two verses can honestly, there's so much to unpack. You can sit on those verses for a long time. They're incredibly practical. They're incredibly penetrating to the heart. Um, when we consider what does it mean to trust in the Lord with all your heart? I mean, there's not a, an ounce of you that is not allowed to trust in the, that, that is allowed to, to not trust in the Lord. Do not lean on your own understanding. What does it mean to not lean on your own understanding? I'm asking you guys. What does it mean to not lean on your own understanding? Okay, <laughs> absolutely. The heart is wicked to begin with. So if if your heart is the thing that's leading and guiding you, how's your understanding going to be? It's tainted. It's tainted. What else does it mean to not lean on your own understanding? Lean on the word. Our picture of things and our situations is is how broad it's it's fairly narrow. We don't see the broader picture. We don't see when when tragedy strikes us what God is trying to accomplish in our lives. We some, what it means to lean not on your understanding is you have to walk by faith in everything you do in in every aspect of life. Don't lean on your own own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Even when it's difficult and in when when life seems to be crumbling around you, acknowledge Him. Even when things are really good. We like to think, okay, it's when, when things are tough, yeah, okay, we lean upon the Lord when times are tough because we got nowhere else to go. But in all your ways, even when things are really going well, who are we supposed to continue to acknowledge? Acknowledge Him, and He will do what? He will make straight your paths. Okay, I could go into a full long sermon about this verse, but we're going to keep moving on because we have a lot more to go. Uh, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Who wants to read that one nice and loud for me? Chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. I have taught you the way of wisdom, I have led you in the path of 
I love these verses coming right after, well, not right after, but kind of on the heels of, of chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It's this, look, I've guided you through all this stuff in the past. Have I failed you yet? <laughs> kind of thing God is saying. He's saying, if I have guided you through all of this up to this point, why in the world would you doubt me with what's coming up in the future? Um, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I've led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, there's no need to fear, for your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble if you're walking in his ways and if you're running in the path of righteousness. Um, Chapter 4, verse 19 says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know over what they stumble. Um, Verse 26 of that same chapter says, Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. So you have this contrast in verse 19 to verse 26 of the way of the wicked being deep darkness, they stumble, and those who ponder the path of their feet, their ways will be sure. So which camp do you want to be in? Um, This is just another one of those things that, that we have to trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding. Chapter 5, verse 21, who has that verse? Somebody read 521 nice and loud. (laughs) Those secret little sins are not so secret. Um, Man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. Man. 6 verse 6. This is one my dad used to always tell me. Chapter 6 verse 6. Someone read that one nice and loud. Yeah, I think that's a pertinent one to any young person. (laughs) At least my dad thought so. Um, (laughs) Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Why are we supposed to go to the ant and consider her ways? Why why is that? Why would Solomon use the ant as the example? There's nothing busier than an ant, except a busybody. Um, <laughs> but there's nothing busier than an ant. What are they doing? What are they busy at? They're working. They're restoring things they're s- and, and storing things, and, and they're preparing for the future. They're, they're not just idly sitting by waiting for life to pass and, and, okay, whatever happens, happens kind of thing. No, they are working hard, and they're working diligently, um, why is that? So, is that just something we're supposed to do in the workplace? No, no. We're supposed to be diligently serving the Lord with all we do. We need to be preparing ourselves, um, and 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 always abounding in the work of the Lord, as it says in First Corinthians, um, verse eighteen of chapter six. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run evil. That that defines a wicked man, I think. But verse 23, for the commandment is a light or for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. In chapter 7, verse 25, it says, let not your heart turn aside to her way. Do not strive straight into her path. One of my my favorite verses regarding uh, or seeing the 
which, which kind of strikes at what we talked about from, from morning and evening or what we read about in morning and evening uh, is chapter 8, verse 13. Um, somebody have 8, verse 13 to read nice and loud. So we're hearing almost from from God's perspective in these verses, and he hates pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech. Why does he hate those things? Why would God say pride and arrogance I hate? Faced inward and, and instead of towards him, yep. Why else? We dethrone him. Therefore, what have we done? We've put who in charge? The self. That is called what? Idolatry. I don't know who said it, but yes, that is idolatry. So all these things, the Lord, you're, you boasting about anything in yourself, man, you have dethroned God in your heart and put yourself there, and you are now guilty of idolatry. This is when you plan your way and you strive in your own way. Um, there, there's so much more here, but we're going to move on because we're never going to get through everything if, if I don't move on. Um, in chapter 16, 16 has a lot of different verses regarding um, the plans of a man and the plans of the heart. Um, The first three verses of chapter 16 says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart, the spirit. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. I'm going to read those three verses again. And pay attention to, to the the difference between the heart of man and the heart of God, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. So again, this is kind of the, in the face of idolatry, of that self-pride and arrogance of planning our own ways, it's the Lord's ways are always better, uh, and the Lord weighs the spirit. He, he understands what's going on in the heart, is basically what he's saying. Uh, in that same chapter, verse 7, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with him. So there's, there's not just this, okay, I'm not sinning against the Lord. The Lord actually blesses it. He makes even peace with his enemies. Um, when you... Uh, Walk in the, in the Lord's ways. Verse 9, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. This has kind of been a life verse for me um, in a lot of ways. Verse 17, the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Verse 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. That one kind of cuts to the heart a little bit at times. A man of violence, it says in 29, entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. 
verse 33 of chapter 16, the lot is cast into the lap, but its very decision is from the Lord. Hmm. Uh, flipping over a couple chapters just to keep us moving through these things. In, in chapter 23, it says in verse 19, Hear, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. The way of who? The Lord. Verse 26 of chapter 23. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Verse 24 or chapter 24, verse 6. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war and an abundance of counselors. There is victory. These are just such great, great verses to meditate upon. And as we go through Proverbs, we there's so many more. I mean, I literally there's seven pages just of verses here that I skipped over. Um, there's a lot in the book of Proverbs uh, just regarding the, the heart and the way of man and, and the way that he thinks. Um, consider chapter 30. I'll, I'll end this section in chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. It says, The way of an eagle in the sky... The way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. That is what the Lord compares us to when we plan our own ways. It's it's vile. It's disgusting. Um on that same line because planning our own ways and not walking in the Lord's ways is, is equated to that magical word pride. Um, and going back to chapter one um, of, of Proverbs, chapter one says in verse 22, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? This is just one of those areas of pride where you think, I know my way. I can do it better. Pride is one of these things that, that is, is, is so offensive to the Lord. In chapter 8, verse 13, in chapter 8, verse 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. We've already read that one. It's always good to be reminded of it again. (laughs) In chapter 12, verse 9. Somebody read that. Chapter 12, verse 9. That wonderful proverb. Hmm. What does that mean? Again, it's pride. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. What the what the what the what Solomon is doing here? He's saying the lowly don't have servant servants. The it, it's kind of a preposterous thing. Uh, a great man never lacks for bread. 
So he's saying even if the lowly were to have all their wishes met and everything, and they even had um, a, 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 and were able, able to have a servant, it's better to have that humble state than to be a great man and have nothing, have, have no sustenance, not live on, on what the Lord has provided. It's a bizarre little verse and probably takes much more to, to mine in just our time here together. In chapter 13, verse 1, A wise man hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Again, just a sign of pride. I know my way. Don't tell me anything. You can't teach me anything. The, the sign of pride is somebody who's not teachable. If people have to tell you over and over and over and over and over again the same thing, and you're not learning, you're not teachable, and that's pride. If the Lord has to teach you something over and over and over and over again, first of all, that's not a lot of fun, but that is pride. And if you're having to learn the same lessons over, maybe check your heart. Um, it, it's, it's one of those times to, to do a little heart check. If you're having to learn the same lesson over and over and over again, Because in chapter 15, verse 12, it says, A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Those who are prideful, those who have that arrogance amongst them, um, they won't even seek for counsel. We, they won't admit when something is is difficult or hard, or or they won't seek to, to be encouraged or or have accountability to be reproved one of the things i love about our church uh, is is the fact that we have counselors every sunday morning who are up here who are willing to to meet with people and to pray and 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 to to give counsel and wisdom and guidance and they're not saying they're perfect and there's no judgment when people walk up here but unfortunately our counselors don't get used very often they're there to pray with you I know every one of you has things to need to be prayed for in your life. That's why we have these people up here on Sunday morning after a service. Don't, don't allow the pride of your heart to say, you know what, I can deal with this on my own. Use those because you don't want to be known as a scoffer who does not like to be reproved, for he will not go to the wise. Go to some people who can offer that wisdom and counsel through a difficult time. Because as we know in chapter 16, verse 18 and 19, very famous verses. You'll actually hear it quoted in in a lot of secular society. 18 and 19 of chapter 16. Somebody read this nice and loud. I know you've heard these verses before. Don't let yourself go to destruction. Get rid of that pride right away. Pride goes before the fall. I think we've all heard that one. We've all probably said it to somebody too. (laughs) And then been guilty of it ourselves. One of the wonderful things though is Proverbs addresses pride. It addresses some of these difficult things, but it also addresses 
um, what our priorities should be. Uh, and so we're going to, again, turn back to the beginning of Proverbs. Uh, chapter 3. First of all, when, when I mention priorities, what would, okay, let's, let's take ourselves out of this room right now. All right. And be honest with yourself. When you woke up this morning, what was your priority? When you woke up last Tuesday morning, what was your priority for the day? When, when, when you went to bed at night, what had been your priority for the day? What are maybe not your priorities? It's probably the person sitting next to you. But what are some of those priorities that we set before ourselves? No? All right. Oh, no, it's there. I just moved away from it. What are some of those priorities that distract us? They don't have to be your own. They can be your neighbor's priorities that are wrong. (laughs) Work? Chores, recreation, coffee. (laughs) No, that should be a priority. No, good coffee should be a priority. Uh, Kidding. What else? Kids, absolutely. All these things, they, they can be priorities. Now, I think Proverbs talks about priorities quite a bit. Chapter 3, verse 14, or 13 and 14. says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. So just in that verse, what would we say Solomon is trying to tell us should be our priority? Seeking wisdom and knowledge or understanding. Yep. Chapter 8, verse 11. Somebody read 8, verse 11. This is going to further confirm that we, what we just said should be our priority. Wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I love the ways of the Lord. They're they're so much more beautiful um, and so much more exciting. A couple verses down in verse 19, he kind of continues this same thought. Someone read verse 19. Such good, good things to set our priorities upon. Chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. The next verse, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. <laughs> Isn't that true? 
I mean, I would rather sit and eat a vegan diet with good friends than go to a Brazilian barbecue, which I love, where they have meat abounding. But sitting across from, I, I see other some men going, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I say, but to be with an enemy where, where love is not there. Um, it, it's, it's, it's better a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. That is so true. In, um, in chapter 16, verse 16, it says, How much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Wow. So to choose understanding rather than silver is much better wisdom. That's where our priorities need to lie. So, so as we, there, there's more that we can look at here, there's, but I really need to keep moving on because there's just a lot of, of verses here. But when we consider priorities, just from these few verses, what should be our priority when we wake up in the morning each and every day? Seek wisdom. Get wisdom. Yes, search for it. Um, I, I have said to people in, in counseling sessions, what is the first thing you do in the morning? Some people say it's brush my teeth. Some people say it's, it's get my coffee. And, and, and all those things are good. Please brush your teeth. Um, I want you to do that. That's, that's a wise thing to do. Um, but ladies, how many of you would ever leave the house without doing your hair and makeup? Not many of you. Um, <laughs> and 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 not many of you would do that, but how many of you leave the house without seeking after wisdom before walking out the door? And not gaining wisdom and, and clothing yourself with wisdom and seeking after the Lord. So what is your priority when you wake up in the morning and before you leave the house? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're making an illustration. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great illustration. I'm a walking illustration. I don't know if you heard that. She she <laughs> she says when I would pull my microphone and turn, I've pulled the cord out a little bit more so that it doesn't pull out anymore. But it's it, when we when we don't set that priority in the morning, we can get easily distracted and it takes away the voice that, that we should have. Um, it, it takes away what our, our actual being should be. Um, that, that's a great way of looking at it. And so just as this microphone pulls away, I'm still talking, but it's not getting, it's not coming out. It's not having its impact like it should. That's a great way of looking at it. So our priorities should be to seek wisdom, to gain understanding. So we need to be going to the Lord first thing in the morning. Um, and we need to be closing our day with that same priority. That's why I kind of love the morning and evening by Charles Spurgeon. I'm just going to, Today is the promotion day for morning and evening by Spurgeon because it also allows me to, to 
encapsulate my day, kind of bookend my day with before I go and close my eyes, my last thoughts are, are godly thoughts. It's not the, the show I was watching on my iPad in bed in, on Netflix or whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's being much more concentrated on let my first thoughts and my closing thoughts of the day be upon the Lord, and that will set the direction for everything else. So that is setting our priorities, setting our priorities in everything we do, just like we don't go out of the house without taking a shower and getting dressed. Don't go without clothing yourself with the righteousness of God's word. Um, Another thing that Proverbs talks about besides our ways, about our pride, about our priorities, is the avenue of serving, what it means to serve. Um, this isn't just talking about a person in a restaurant who you're a waiter. This is talking about what you can do. And he gives a lot of different ways to consider serving. In chapter 11, verse 29, it's one of the first verses that talks about serving. He says, whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind and the fool will be a servant to the wise of heart. So if you want to... Um, if you want to just kind of throw caution to the wind, you will be a fool and you will serve those who are not fools, the wise of heart. In chapter 14, verse 35, it says, A servant who deals wisely has the king's favor, but his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. When we read the first part of that verse, a servant who deals wisely has the king's favor. Is there any biblical character that you think of when you hear that i have one that just springs to mind right away joseph joseph should should just pop into your mind a servant who deals wisely has the king's favor joseph was a servant in the home what happened when he was a servant he was the the servant that kind of outserved everyone else and so what did that do it gave him prominence soon he became the the one who managed all the servants and then he became pharaoh's chief kind of of the house and managed the entire house and then he was struck down by by potiphar's wife but what did he do in prison all of a sudden he was a servant in prison and he started to rise among the ranks there and then what happened all of a sudden boom the guy through a whole series of of wonderful events that the lord orchestrated is now second in command only to pharaoh and that is, that is what we see. A servant who deals wisely has the king's favor. That's not why we serve. That's not why we serve. But the Lord gives favor to those who serve him. He gives favor to, and I know many of you have seen this in, in, in the workplace. You do your job well as unto the Lord Kind of you rise above every of your one of your co-workers quite often if you serve the Lord first. And um, you gain your employer's favor quite often. But his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. In chapter 17, verse 2, a servant who deals wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share the inheritance as one of the brothers. In 19, verse 10, it's not fitting for a fool to live in luxury, much less for a slave to rule over princes. In chapter 27, we just got to keep moving here. 
Chapters 27, verse 18. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. What's he saying here? He's saying if you do your job, you'll actually reap the rewards of your job. You tend the fig tree, you'll be able to actually eat the fruit. If you, the, the flip side of that is what? If you don't tend the fig tree, there's going to be no fruit. So you have nothing to, to eat of. And he who guards his master will be honored. Well, he who fails to guard his master will what? Probably be fired, not honored. Uh, let's see. Let's got to keep moving on. Chapter 29. 29 verse 21. Whoever pampers his servant from childhood will be will in the end find him his heir. Whoever pampers his servant from childhood will in the end find him his heir. I don't know why I read that one. Um, I'm trying to understand that one. I'm just being honest right now. <laughs> Somebody help me understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. I just need a MacArthur Bible in front of me. You know? <laughs> uh, and, and going along those same lines, then in chapter 30, verse 10, do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be held guilty. One of those servants who, who loves his master, who has been almost adopted as a son, he's going to be loyal to his master. So don't curse him because his loyalty lies with the master, not with with you, and you will be held guilty. In chapter, or in verse 22 of chapter 30, he says, a slave when he becomes king and a fool when he is filled with food. There's a lot of stuff regarding testing, um, in, in here and this is kind of the last section and it's a long section but we'll just look at a couple of verses here or actually testing is not long it's the next one that's long um, in chapter 16 verse 2 it says all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes but the Lord weighs the spirit so the Lord tests us so that what we see in our own eyes is not really as, as Anne kind of reminded us earlier the the heart is wicked above all things. So the Lord weighs the spirit because we don't always have the full picture. Um, in, in chapter 18, verse 17, this is one of those verses that, that always seems to, to hit me at, at different times. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Ever been guilty of that one? I know I have. It's it's one of those verses, it's it's so true. I, I can state my own case and then all of a sudden somebody comes in with a different perspective and lays me low. And what I thought was 
righteousness in my own eyes, I discover, was pride and arrogance quite often. That's verse, uh, chapter 18, verse 17. In chapter 24, verse 12, it says, If you say, Behold, we do not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? So what he's saying here is, Ignorance is not bliss. Um, you will just because you're ignorant of a situation does not mean you will not be held accountable for it. Ignorance is not bliss. If you say, "Behold, we don't know this," does not he who weighs the heart perceive it still? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will not he repay man according to his work? He's testing you, is what he's doing. In chapter 25, verse 4, Take away the dross from the silver, and the smith has material for a vessel. So testing is like when silver is put into fire, what does that do? It draws out the dross. It draws out the filth and, and everything. The only way you can purify silver is by what? By fire. And that is what the, the smith has is material for a vessel. That is the only thing that he wants to make a vessel out of, is that purified silver, which has to go through the fire. Chapter 27, verse 17, the, this is where our iron men get their theme from. As iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Very familiar voice, uh, verse to, to many of us. The, the Proverbs have a lot to say about the tongue and words and, and about what it means to listen. I'm just going to spout off a few verses here just because we have run out of time. Uh, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 say, He taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. A kind of is, is encapsulating in those two verses in chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, a lot of what we've talked about from the very beginning, the pride, the, the, the establishing your ways, setting your priorities, all these things. It's also testing and, and getting our tongues and, and our hearts and our words and our listening all in order. He taught me and said, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Wonderful, wonderful commendation for each day of our lives that we should have. Later on in chapter 4 and verse 10, he says, Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. He says in verse 20, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. In verse 24, he says, Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. In chapter 5, the first three verses say, My son, be attentive to wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. 
couple of verses down in verse 7, And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. So when we li- read these verses in chapters 4 and 5, who should be talking more than the other? And who should we be listening to? Or who should be the one listening and who should be the one talking? The one who we should be listening to is who? God. Who needs to talk a little less? Me. What do I need to be doing a little bit more according to these verses? Listening. This is like uh, Psalm 46 in verse 10 when it says, Be still and know that I am God. That be still is not just a pretty little, okay, just relax in your sun chair and enjoy the sun and be still and know that I am God. It's a stop it. Stop. It's, it, the, the literal translation is cease striving. Stop working. It's just stop and know that I am God. Stop doing everything you're doing. No, listen to me is what he's saying there. This, when we, when we consider Proverbs, we see them acted out in the rest of Scripture um, so often. Chapter 5, just finishing in there, verses 13 and 14. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ears to my instruction instructors. I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. The Proverbs, uh, Solomon here is saying, listen, I'm, I'm reaping what I sowed, essentially. I didn't listen to the great wisdom that was given to me. And so what has it caused? Utter ruin and destruction. Um, in, ver- in chapter 11, verses 9, or verse 9, it says, With his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. And in 11, 11 through 13, it says, By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked it's overthrown. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. But a man of understanding does what? Remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. I think some of our elected officials need to be reading some of these verses. But they're not the only ones guilty. We are also guilty of that at times. Just one or two more verses. Chapter 16, verse 13 says, Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. I'm just going to close off with with two, two sections of verses here. Verse 21 of chapter 16. The wise of heart is called discerning. And sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Verses 23 and 24 of that same chapter. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. That's what we want to set our um, tongues and our ears and our lips to is is seeking that wisdom from god um, setting our priorities setting ourselves low taking away the pride and arrogance 
from our, our own hearts and, and making him, Solomon is the classic example. He writes these things as the king of Israel because he himself did not follow these things. And he's almost sending them when he writes Ecclesiastes. He's saying, you should have listened to me. I should have listened to me. So to immerse ourselves in the Proverbs is one of these gifts of God. Don't neglect it. Um, just as I'm encouraging you to, to get your hands on a copy of Morning and Evening by Spurgeon, spend each day, each calendar day with the, with the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds to the calendar. Um, like July 1st, read Proverbs 1. July 2nd, read Proverbs 2. Stuff like that. It, it, the more and more you immerse yourself in the Proverbs, the more you gain wisdom and understanding. And that's what we want to do. Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom that you have given us through your inspired word. We thank you that these words are not just suggestions, that they are not just something that you have casually written for us, but you have with your own authoritative hand through the, through the prophets and through many men throughout history, compiled these words for us to glean and for us to grow. They water our soul and they, they give life to righteousness and to wisdom and understanding. Help it to take root in our own hearts so that we may gain a heart of understanding and a heart of wisdom. We pray this not just for our own sake, Lord, but for the advancement of your kingdom with all those that we encounter and for the, the proclamation of the gospel, but ultimately, Lord, for the glory of your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.